Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, Friday May six. It's Casual Friday, although it's it's usually casual here, no matter what day it is. Friday May six, Oaks Day. If you don't know what that is, it's Oaks Day here in in Louisville. Uh, it's uh, the Friday before. Kentucky Derby, so they have what the Oaks, the Oak. They run, they run a race called the Oaks or something, whatever. Typically Friday, Saturday, Sunday here during this the, the Louisville. It's no, no one does any work, right? Not, not everything. Not nothing happens, right? Then on Sunday, people claim they like horse racing. They watch a race or whatever. They get it. They have fancy hats. They drink a bad drink. Meat juleps are not very good drinks. Uh, and then, uh, then they they pretend to care about the Derby again 365 days later. So that that's what it's doing over here, here in Louisville. I've never cared. I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. I'm not originally from here. There's no tradition for me. But whatever. It's casual Friday for you guys out there. Hit, hit those thumbs up buttons. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know why I like those, right? Early in the morning, Suki Singh, Doug Montgomery, Daniel Hutchings, who has left the suit at home because it is casual Friday. Thank you. Hog Lawrence, Joe Mack, real life pitcher, Andrew Garcia. Woo J Train is here. And uh, just uh, the Rangers Yankee games is, is postponed. There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot of weather today. There's a lot, I mean, obviously there's gonna be weather every day. There's never not weather. Even nothing happens, it's still weather, right? We don't live in a vacuum, right? We don't live in outer space. Stuff will happen, right? Just not enough to postpone a baseball game. But today it's it's a mess. Uh, Roth is going to be uh, work. He's going to be working a lot today. Looking at radar, I think like half the games are the possibility could there could be rain, there could be something, something may get washed out. But we got another game postponed, so I don't even know if on this show we could even talk about today's slate. I mean, I don't even know who the hell is going to play, right? So we got we just got that in the Rangers Yankee game and the, the Cubs Dodgers game that was already postponed. That we may see two or three others. Uh, so I don't know. So you got to tune in later, right? Tune in later, later today. Grinders live, crunch time. They'll, 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 they'll give it all to you. Shannon Lambert's asking where my derby hat is. This is my derby hat. This is my derby what, what other hat would I be wearing? I don't wear derby. I don't do anything. I don't do anything. But is it, who cares? What does it matter? It's the Kentucky Derby. If you go down by where, where the Churchill Downs is, that'll be a mess on Sunday. Obviously, tomorrow, like tonight and tomorrow night, they'll be, you know, the bars and the restaurants and everything. I, I don't do any of that, right? I'll be home. I'll be home. I'll be home watching MMA, right? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about MMA tomorrow. We got a, we got a pay-per-view card tomorrow, right? So that's what I'll be doing. Soccer in the morning, right? Normal stuff. Who cares about the stupid horse race? Who cares, right? But yesterday, uh, the Orioles scored five runs all on solo home runs. So that's one way to get the stack to work, right? It's like, oh, they only scored five runs. They, they, they don't have to be the top stack. Well, they are, right? Because Austin Hayes hits a home run. Cedric Mullins hits a home run. George Mateo hits a home run. Mountcastle hits two home runs, right? And then Byron Buxton at 8 million percent own hits a home run, right? That, that, you know, that's closed laptop time. I didn't have any Buxton yesterday. I only played 10 lineups yesterday. Uh, I cash one, so it's, it's not, I didn't have a good day. Right, because I didn't, I did not have the Orioles, and I did not have Buxton. I played the Cardinals, the Mariners, uh, the Cardinals, uh, the 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 Marlins, uh, the Rays against Ray, and uh, the Padres, and uh, 
And some of the Mets, right, against NOLA, I played like two or three lineups against NOLA. And uh, nope, didn't get there. Even, even the, the Cardinals did okay, and Machado was like the only Padre worth the crap. So it's not like it was awful, 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 but no. Did not have all these home runs in my lineup, right? Five-man five Orioles stack wins, right? Five and three one-offs and the two highest on pitchers, McClanahan and Nola, and there, there you go. What's a second-place line? I'm assuming it's mostly uh, Orioles stacks, right? Erquity, McClanahan. Okay, so no Nola, but Chirinos is zero in there. Is there anything over here? These are messy lines, this, this, but this person just... Svensvox or whatever he was in first for a while just messy line stole one offs and stuff here here's his five man here's five two one right nola buxton here's his three three two it's it's, it's a map four three one okay this is doable right there's another another uh oriole stack with jose altuve with a home run right right you got a whole bunch of the catcher nothing really happened here ocd ob Another one, two, three, four, four, two, 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 four, two, one, one, right? With Lazardo scored enough points. Look through here. Yeah, it's, it's mostly, uh, yeah, Oriole stacks, right? To some extent, we compare exposures, right? I mean, if you just look at the, the top 1% finisher, I mean, Buxton, 35% don't batter. Why did he have to hit one? I mean, it's not like it, it's not like it would have done much differently, but... When I saw that, I'm like, oh, great. Right, the chalk, the chalky batter. Because the Twins were the highest stone stack, and they they didn't get there, right? Correa didn't get there. Polanco didn't get there, right? Nothing really happened there, right? Uh, the, Phil, the Phillies did okay. I mean, the Mets came on late, right? They won that game in the top of the ninth. How crazy, right? Ruined uh, Nola's win. The Astros didn't get there. Right, but like no one else did either. So like it didn't it really didn't really matter that much. Look out, look out low on the, the, the Cardinals were yesterday. Right? Seven percent. Tyler O'Neill, seven percent. Like Molina was two percent owned in my stack and he hit a home run. Right. The Mets were low owned against Nola. You know, I don't I'd all those the low owned stuff. Right. It's like, okay, who what's gonna be popular? I'm not gonna play that. I'm gonna play a combination of all the stuff that's not gonna be popular. So when uh, chalk pieces hit home runs, I'm dead. I'm just dead. Just dead right there. Jan Lambert says, I went five-man Giants with O's and Zunino catch, catcher. Got secondary part right. Okay. It's hard It's hard stacking the Giants when like half their hitters get gets pinch hit for, right? When like uh, Peterson and Yastrzemski are in there. Like you can't even guarantee that they're going to get four at-bats. That's the tough, that's the tough part about the Giants. There's some other teams like that. The Guardians aren't as bad as they used to be with some of their batters. But it's hard to it's hard to stack in those situations. Yeah, okay, I'm going to stack Peterson and the Stremski. They both get pitched for in the middle of the middle of the sixth inning. Even Devin's in the chat. Yeah, went over on Philadelphia, St. Louis, and Scooble and still lost most of it. Yeah, yep. When the chalk comes in and you don't got it, uh, you're going to be in trouble. But if you play the chalk and it comes in, that doesn't necessarily mean you win anything either. So, oh, you cash. Wow, great. 1.5x. Way to go. Right? So I just look for the easier paths. Either easier pass the first, knowing that you're going to lose like 95% of the time. But the 5% of the time you don't lose, I got a, I got a shot at a, a good amount of money. So that, that that's the that's the way I play. Right? So I don't mind. I play 10 lines. So I'm not gonna, I'm not, not gonna play a twin stack with Nolan McClanahan 
with 10 lineups in there. No, no, I'm just I'll, one against Nola, a Mets lineup against Nola, a Rays lineup against Ray, right? You do stuff like that. You come to the Marlins. The Marlins are a little, little bit more owned than I thought they would be. You do that, right? Bryce Harper had a good game. I mean, the Phillies, the Phillies did well, and they still you didn't you didn't need them. You needed the Orioles because their pricing and the fact that they hit five home runs, right? The Phillies only hit two, right? Harper, Harper, and Castellanos, and Castellanos came out of the game. So I don't know. Six six game slate last night. I don't know what what else to tell you about this. Looking through, I mean, look at the Buxton exposure. I mean, e Hafner three point three percent, but some people had a bunch. Play thirty play thirty five percent on batters, right? I mean, shit, my money at least uh, was under, right? Look, Correa still a Buxton one offs. Obviously, was in the winning lineup, but Correa zero, Kepler and what two lineups. Altuve, Polanco, right? I mean, he, he, he got he got it right. Just faded the Twins outside of a Buxton one-off, and then uh, make all these combinations, right? He had plenty of the Rays, right? Okay, so he was he was on board. Less of the Astros, right? I mean, he basically did uh, everything I did, other than uh, play, other than play the Orioles, and I didn't. Right, that's about it. I just look down, look down the line. Barely any of the Phillies, right? Okay, so yeah, okay, right. If I just would, if I would have chose the, if I would have chose the Orioles as one of my, you know, four stacks to combine, then maybe, maybe I would have had a shot. Maybe. But that's the. Those are the slim, thin lines in MLB DFS. Devin in the chat, yes, yeah, Steve, Steve, our producer, Steve, big Mets fan. He's probably going nuts, nuts when the came back in the ninth. Even though it's only one game, it doesn't matter. It's one. It's out of one hundred and sixty-two games, right? He was going to probably, you know, falling over himself, fainted or something. I don't know. It's one game. Who cares? Okay, It'll be a short show today. If you want to talk about anything, put it in the YouTube chat. Give me those thumbs ups, dummy thumbs, like, subscribe, comment, whatever you want to do. Looking at the uh, MMA, looking at UFC, just look at the, the weigh-ins. So I'm a, as of right now, all the fights are on, right? 15 fights, but I got my my sheet. I mean, not all the information's put in, but all the odds and the road grinders ownership and projection and everything is kind of in there, right? I still gotta still gotta add stuff, but uh, I mean, this card you this you can make a lot of combos. This card, this card, uh. This card's good. I, I mean, I, I like I like 15 fight cards. I also like fight cards where in the 9K range, like there's no like, there's nothing that like is completely and utterly obvious. And no one that's like a minus 1,000 favorite. Yeah, Chandler, Fialio, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're Clayton Rodriguez. Yeah, 78, 81% chance of winning. Okay, but the inside the distance is reasonable enough. Right, minus 110, 140, minus 180. Right. We got we got some of those in there. But most likely, I mean, the most likely, like you can make a lot of these combos. I mean, you don't need two 9K fighters. And also the main events, there's two of them, two five-round fights, and they're none of the fighters are in that range. So you got uh, Rose Nami Yunus, 8,900 versus Carla Esparza. 7,300 for what? The strawweight, women's strawweight, 115 title. 
And then you got the, the Oliveira versus Gagey for the whatever, whatever weight class title that is. That's the main event. So they're mid-range main event fights, which makes them a little bit more appealing. And they have all these 9K guys that are in good spots, but like nothing sticks out, sticks out. And it's quite possible that unless one of like the main event losers win, the underdogs win, you probably you probably don't play two of these, these, these the two of the 9K fighters. I think you play more in the mid-range. So it just comes down to picking the right 9K fighter. Because I mean, even two, like if we go to, uh, let's go, let's go here. I mean, even if we play like Chandler and Fialio, like what are we left with? 77, 25. So I guess you could fit that in. So we play Chandler, Fialio. Let's say you play Oliveira, right? Well, now you have to play multiple underdogs. So now you're going to play, now maybe you, know, you go all the way down, play Asparza, Carnalosi. Yeah, that's doable. And a $7,900 fight, you play Randy Brown, right? Okay, so that's the, so you can play two 9K guys, right? Even even if we put like Nami Yunus in there, like then you have to go down further than Randy Brown. You take Randy Brown down to Melissa Gatto and you're still, it's, it's still doable. Okay, so two 9K fighters are still doable, but which two 9K fighters? I mean, that's that that's the point that I'm making. I mean, I think it's I think it's a little bit clear that Dumont and Lupe Godinez are have lower ceilings. Although I think Dumont's going to be underowned uh, in comparison. I'm more likely, as of right now, to play Dumont more than uh, Godinez because of the inside the distance lines are are just are decently. Uh, different right there's a difference between a minus 230 money line and plus two 290 inside the distance and minus 170 money line and 445 inside the distance at 9,000. so yeah so loopy doesn't 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 rate out that well but it depends on what the ownership is going to be what i'm saying is if you take a look at osp roy val rodriguez fialo chandler like if you were to say okay i think the two of them make the optimal lineup like well which two you got five of them. You know how many combinations you can make of like two of these guys and then one of these guys and then two of these guys and you can do a lot. And no one stands out on the slate as like someone that you X out. Even Tony Ferguson. It's weird to say that but at 6%, he may actually be under-owned. Like he has, he has, uh, he has, he has plus 600 inside the distance, plus 1175 in round one. That's 8%. Right. I mean, yes, I know he's pr pretty much washed up, but I don't know. Maybe you can Chandler. Chandler's been been hit. Chandler has like no striking defense, at least in the last fight or two that I've seen. Right. So does that mean I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to have 25% Tony Ferguson? No. I, I don't think I don't think it's laughable to play him. Anyone at the bottom. I mean, Mauricio Rua, Shogun Rua. I mean, he. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how he lasts three rounds, but you know, he, he could, he could, I mean, this OSP versus Rua fight. I mean, it's just it's two old guys, two guys that are uh, past their prime, but, uh, but Shogun got, I mean, Shogun, the last, what his last fight, he, he tapped out due to strikes and you almost never see that in the, in, in the UFC.
I mean, I don't see how this fight goes three rounds, unless the third the third round they're just like just like oh, they're hunched over or something. Like I'm not opposed to playing playing. I'm not I'm not xing any of these guys out. Anything could happen. And we have two, and we have competitive main events. You told me Carlos Barza had you know seven takedowns, right, and finishes uh, Rose Namajunas in the fourth fifth round. I, I wouldn't be shocked, right? Oliveira Gagey, I mean, Oliveira, either he's going to win probably by submission. But I, but if, if Gagey could keep it on the feet, I, you know, Gagey could, could knock him out, right? So I'm going to make a lot of line. I mean, it, I mean, you could make this. It's not clear. This is not clear, clear stuff. Where it's like, oh, everyone's going to do X, Y, and Z. It's not. This is not a slate. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking like, what's the cash lineup going to be? And I'm not even sure. Right, I'm really not even sure. I think you probably play Oliver in cash. He's more upside uh, because of his ground game. You play Esparza in cash and not Nami Yunus. We got we got we got Cowboy Cerrone here, right? We got Cerrone versus Lausanne. We got two more washed up people. Like this whole slate is all washed up people. Who knows what happens in that fight? That's the fight that's least likely to go to the distance, I think, on this slate. That and the Ivanov. Uh, the Lima fight. There's another. Here's an. Here's two more people that are older than dirt, right? Trinaldo's on the slate. I mean, like, geez, they just say all day. Let's take all the old guys and put them on. That's what we're gonna have to deal with. But nothing stands even like for my for my little leverage rating as of now. Nothing stands out that dramatically, right? I have OSP at twenty four percent being decently under-owned, right? Like OSP and Norma Dumont, right? I have Chandler and Fialio better than Rodriguez and Roy Val right now. I think Roy Val may end up being the, the I think up here in these, these, these 9,300, 9,200 and above, I think, I think maybe one Fialio, two Roy Val, three Chandler. And then I think Rodriguez and OSP are, are, coming lower on than that as of right now. And I think Dumont and Codinas are single digit on. Right? I have a 13 each. I can see Godinez being eight and Dumont being 10 or something, something like that. But as of right now, like I see, I see OSP, Dumont, uh Blagoy Ivanov. A little uh, uh, under-owned. Randy Brown, a little under-owned. Joe Lozon, a little under-owned. Although that's scary as hell. I mean, you're not going to be comfortable this late, no matter who you play, right? Like I have more, I have Shogun Rua slightly under-owned at 10%. Right, but I also have the lower own. I got Van Camp and Ferguson and Vergara. Like these guys are, are slightly under-owned in comparison to like Gatto and Carnalosi. Like the underdog, I think a lot of people are going to go for, for the, the the dog, female fighters, especially since if you're not going to play Dumont, if you're not going to play Godinez, if you're not going to play Cortez, right? Cortez has a plus three seventy five inside the distance at eighty seven hundred, and the line's coming down. It's like Cortez is only minus one forty now at eighty seven hundred. I think uh, Gato is going to be uh, a fairly popular underdog. 
So people are going to go like Gato, Colonel OC or something as their two underdogs and then fit in, you know, Nami Yunus, Oliveira, whatever, right? Something like that. There's no reason why one of these bigger, bigger underdogs wins. And these aren't like massive, massive underdogs. We've seen this past late sometimes. Minus 800, minus 1,000, minus 1,500. Like, no, these five, even Fialio, who's the biggest favorite, minus 430, which is a hefty favorite, but not like not like Romanov versus Sherbert. Not, not that type of favorite. Hog Lawrence says, uh, looks like Oliveira Gagey, high probability for inside the distance, but also high on main. Any thoughts on how important this fight may be in your lineups? Uh, I mean, I still haven't filled everything out. I'm, the ceiling on that fight is probably the highest. Uh, the thing is, is that I think it's from a floor perspective, the two, the two five round fights, like in, like I'm thinking like in cash wise, I think it's much more likely that the uh, Thug Rose Esparza fight goes the distance. It's much less likely that Oliveira Gagey goes the distance. But how does that happen? Like, I can see instances, I mean, if you just think logically, of how these fighters fight. We have, we have two main events that have basically striker versus grappler, essentially, Right. Uh, Carla Esparza is not really, not a striker. She's a, she's a wrestler, right? Rose is more of a striker. Although she can't, she has, she, she can, she can grapple. She can do stuff. Then you have Oliveira, who is probably the best submission grappler in the history of the UFC. And Justin Gagey is just an action volume striker. So they're okay. So think in terms of what the, the range of outcomes of fight, of fights of that nature, striker versus grappler. Okay, where, where, where it, the outcomes are very lean, bimodal towards those sides, okay? Uh, so here, here, here are outcomes of a striker versus grappler exchange. Uh, obviously, you have like the first round results. So like first round submission. Okay, so if Oliveira gets a first round submission, he'll score 105 or, and Gagey scores zero, goes nothing, Okay. That's not, I don't, I don't consider that to be the most likely outcome, but that could happen. Uh, Gagey with a first round knockout on Oliveira, right? Okay, so Gagey has the 100 and whatever, 110, 100, and Oliveira has nothing. But as this fight goes on, understand that, uh, that as, as a grappler, okay, think of how the range of outcomes, the distributions work in tandem with one another, Okay. So as the gra the more successful the grappler is, the lower the uh, floor of the of the strike. Okay, Oliveira. To use an example, let's say Oliveira comes out first minute of the fight, takes takes Gagey down for the entire first round. Right, takes takes him down, submission attempt, whatever, a little bit ground to pound, whatever. Oliveira is sitting there, you know, he has a 25 point round and Gagey's there with three points, right? So wrestlers tend to zap the scoring potential if they're successful on strikers. But grapplers can still st score points on the feet, right? So if let's say it's, a, it's first round, they're, they're on their feet. Well, Gagey may end up with like 14 points and Oliveira with eight points. They still score something. But there, there are a lot of outcomes where Oliveira has success early and then gets knocked out. 
So let's say Oliveira takes him that like the more of an extreme example. Oliveira, five minutes of control, four minutes of control in the first round. Oliveira, four minutes of control in the second round. Right? Gagey survives the first two rounds. Right? But barely has any points because he's been controlled most of the time. And in the third round, early in the first, third round, there's an exchange on the feet and Gagey knocks his lights out. Third round KO win. Okay. Well, Gagey barely scored any points in the first two rounds. Maybe he's maybe he scored a total of 10 points. Then he gets 45 for the third round win. That's 55 plus a knockdown. 65 plus some strikes. 70. 70 for 7,700. Ain't going to cut it. And Oliveira is sitting there with, you know, with 50 points going, well, if, it, if I was able to continue this, this could have been a 130-point score. I mean, this, this highlights why grapplers tend to have much higher ceilings on drafting scoring than, than pure strikers. But there are a lot of instances we look in the, the, the Rose Esparza fight. Like these, like these favorites, these, I mean, the opposite, like Gagey and Rose, if the wrestlers, the grappler types, are successful early, will zap the seal, will zap the, the points out of even, even if the strikers win. This is a five-round decision, and Esparza's had six or seven takedowns. And Rose wins three to two, a three-two decision, right? A 48-47 decision with more effective striking or whatever uh, in three rounds versus two others. Like, how many points does, does she score? If two of the rounds, she was essentially almost scoreless or something, you know, controlled enough. Like the five round decision wins aren't aren't as great for these strikers. Like that's why, like to me, I prioritize in main event fights wrestlers way more than strikers. Now there are instances we have the Max Holloway type of stuff. But I mean, last week we had Font versus Vera, and that I mean Font. I mean these are just high outcome, how high output uh, strikers. But in striker versus grappler in a five-round fight, I mean, same for a three-round fight. I mean, typically you're favoring grapplers over strikers on drafting scoring anyway. But in comparison to ownership, it's also related to the inside the distance. Like Esparza is, is the, has the highest inside the distance, right? Plus 650, plus 2,100 in the first round. But there's no reason why Carlos Esparza can't put up 120 points in a five-round decision. The question is, can't she win a five-round decision? She's not successful grappling, then she's, I, I, I don't think she has a chance. But I think Esparza has much higher upside than, than, than Nami Yunus. And even though Nami Yunus has plus 195 inside the distance. If Rose wins, it's most likely a TKO. Maybe a reversal into a submission. I mean, I guess she can do that. So yeah, so for the main events fights, I lean Oliveira and I lean Esparza. But I'm looking for the high volume, high upside grappling, but from a pure, like outside of like first round finishes type of stuff, I'm most likely, I haven't decided yet. Most likely I will be limiting uh, my lineups to only one main event fight. That's typically what I do on these types of cards anyway. So basically limiting. So in my lineups, I will have a max. I won't force one either. I may have, lineups that have no five round fighters in it but i will have a max of one of rose 
Oliveira, Gagey, Esparza. Because once you start putting them together, then you, and then you only have four spots left and you start running into a little bit more and more uniqueness issues. Even though it's a, it's a 15 fight card, so you don't run into it as much. That's why I'm like, I haven't decided yet. It's like, if this was a 12 fight card, it would be easy to win, right? If it was a 12, if it was 12 fights or less, I could just say no more than one main, one, one five round fighter in my life. 15 fight card, there are, there are combinations. Like, dude, you could, I mean, imagine, I mean, we could go to where, where, where's here. I mean, imagine even if we do play something like, let's say you play, you know, Oliveira and Esparza or something like that, right? You go, okay, I got two main event fighters in there. It's like, yeah, yeah, but what happens if you play like, like Norma Dumont at 10% owned, right? You played the, the Journey Newson at 18 or something. You had 87 left, right? You're, you're playing Tracy Cortez for leverage over Gatto and then Cowboy Cerrone or something like that. Like this lineup could be, I mean, this could be a unique line. This could be a unique lineup, even though it has two main event fighters. This combination, Dumont and Cortez, and none of these guys up here. Right. So that's why I'm I'm still debating whether or not even I even make that rule. Because I could see I could see paths to to under five dupes, definitely. But uniques. I mean, look, you could put put in Tony Ferguson, right? Let's say you play uh, Rose and Charles. And you're playing Tony Ferguson at, at 5% owned or something, right? And you're, and you're playing Norman Dumont at 8% owned up here that people aren't going to pay for. You play Trinaldo, right? You still got 8,700 and you play Cortez. Like, 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 there you go. Two main event fighters in your lineup, the two main event favorites. And you got like a 12, 12%, 11%, 8%, and a 4%. Like this is a unique, like I can look at this lineup right now. Unless someone that's watching is going to actually use this line. This, this is a unique lineup. It's a much lower expectation lineup. Let me tell you that, but it is a unique lineup and it's 50 K. Right. So it's like, like, Oh, you have to leave money on the table. It's like, no, look, I didn't even leave. I didn't leave any money on the table. Yet this lineup, like who the hell is playing this combination? Right. No, no one. <laughs> right. So it's like, maybe I don't need to have that rule to have to to lack two main event fighters assuming that we we stick with 15 fights who knows weigh-ins two fights we could cancel who, who the hell knows uh vinnie 23 21 any advice for 20 max players just take stands on a few different lineup types since you can't cover the field very well in 20 lines just play the 20 best lineups you can doesn't matter like the, the the notion of exposure and taking stands and everything like that that's a diversification that has nothing to do with strategy make the 20 best lineups you can but the less lineups you're making the more risk you should be taking on okay so don't think in terms of oh i'm playing 20 lineups so i can't play i can't play tony ferguson because i only have 20 don't that's the opposite way of thinking build 20 lineups that are more like if you're going to play 20 lineups play 20 lineups and aim to have 20 unique lineups don't aim to have like, well, because I only have 20. I'm a, I'm playing the, the $20, the, the $4 20 max. I have 80 bucks in play. Like play for the win and play for, the, if you lose, you, you may lose all 80 bucks. Okay, that's fine. But it doesn't mean you take a stand. You could, you could have different fighters in all your lineups, but play riskier lineups. So it's like, uh, don't, don't think in terms of like, well, I got to play a low owned uh, underdog. So I'm going to, 
I'm going to play Tony Ferguson in 10 of my 20 lines. Like, you don't have to do that. The lineup that I just showed, right? You could just play that lineup and then go and what, is there a Roy Val lineup? And then you go to Roy Val and you go, okay, how about a Roy Val? Fernie Garcia is going to be long. I mean, you could make any, any lineup you want, right? You could play Lausanne in this line. Like, this lineup could look nothing like the lineup that, that you just made. And then the next lineup and the next lineup and the next lineup. So maybe you make a lineup that has no main event fighters, no five rounders in it. Maybe you make a lineup that has two of them in it. Like there's no, I wouldn't think in terms of like what, what, what lineup type. So like just make 20, 20 of the best lineups you can. And if you want, if you want to say like, oh, I think this guy is way under own. I'm going to play him in 15 out of 20 lineups. Yeah, you could do that. Just understand that, you know, doesn't get there, you know, your, your, your swings, the variance of your, of, of your, your play is going to be much higher. That's why, I mean, if you take a look at my exposures on most slates, I mean, most slates, I don't have more than 40% of any fighter. Like on a slate like this, definitely not. I mean, I could easily see, I could easily see me not having, I, dude, I could easily see me not having more than 30% of a fighter on this slate on a 13, on a 15 fight card. So I'm making all different types of lineups. Now I'm, I'm playing 150, you're playing 20. You could do the same thing. And if it turns out you have zero Donald Cerrone, then so be it. That's that's okay. Did he did he fit into plus EV lineups? No. Okay, that's fine. Could he fit into plus EV lineups? Yeah. You your twenty first lineup could be with him, or it could not be with him, right? But don't feel compelled to have to take stands. You shouldn't have that mindset. As long as you could look at the singular six fighter lineup and go, that's I think that could be that's going to be unique in my contest. Right. If you're playing large field, you have 20 max is a larger field contest. If you look at that lineup and go, that's going to be unique and it has a, a decent enough expectation. So obviously, you could be unique by just playing, oh, I'm going to just play the, the, the six biggest underdogs, right? And just leaving uh, 8,900 on the table. Like, I'm not saying to play these lineups. You will be unique, but these lineups are really low expectations. You're more likely you could if you want to leave a thousand on the table, leave a thousand on the table. If you're like, oh, I'm going to build a lineup, but instead of playing Chandler, I'm going to play uh, Cerrone and leave 800 on the table. Okay, that's fine also. But don't don't base your the strategy of your lineup on the other lineups that you're playing. The strategy you're just trying to build plus EV lineups. If you're like, well, I have this too much of this guy, or I'm taking a stand, that that's that, those are all those are all risk management issues they don't make any difference that's the only that only you can answer those questions if you if you if you if you think that so someone is is so plus ev that you ends up in all of your lineups then that's just the way it is if you choose to like oh, i want to have one lineup without them you could build a plus ev lineup without them. so individually think of them individually all 20 lineups build one lineup you go okay this looks good Build a second lineup. Oh, this looks good. And build all 20. Then at the end, you go, oh, it turns out I have 16 of this over. Are you fine with that? Are you fine with having 80% of your, your, your money on, on, on a guy, on a fighter? The answer is no. Then you go, let me go look at some of these lineups and maybe I could switch them 2v2. And, and there you go. And as long as when you make that 2v2 and you get the guy out, then... You go, okay, this lineup looks like more likely to be unique. Okay, then you're fine. 
if you wanted to do that. Or you could just say, I, I don't mind having 16 out of 20 of this person. Okay. There's no reason why you have to like choose one. Like, oh, in this lineup, I have Matt Schnell. In this lineup, I have Tony Ferguson. This lineup, I have KS Williams. And you end up in 20 lineups. You have like most of the fighters on the slate. That's fine. People think in terms of, well, I don't know what to root for. Well, the game isn't about rooting for anyone. The game is about playing the plus EV lineups. That's why like on yesterday's baseball slate, it's like, okay, I played NOLA and I played the Mets. What am I rooting for? I don't care. I'm just playing plus EV lineups. So I, if NOLA does well, I got, I got lineups with NOLA. If, Lona, if NOLA gets blown up or the bullpen, you know, the Mets take, get, get, get in the bullpen, I, I got those lineups. Right? I had Robbie Ray in some lineups, and I had Tampa Bay in some lineups. So like the complete opposite of that. Very similar in MMA, right? Oh, you'll have, um, I'll have Michael Chandler in lineups, as well as Tony Ferguson. I'll have, uh, I'll have Danny Roberts in lineups, and Trinell, not in the same lineup. As long as it makes sense in the individual lineup. That, that's, people get so concerned about exposures. And that's just diversification. It's like picture you, you have to start, you have money for the stock market. You have a stock portfolio. Doesn't matter if you pick 20 stocks or you pick five stocks or you pick 10 stocks. The whole goal is to pick the stocks that are going to go up, right? That's the goal. As long as you're picking stocks that are going to go up, doesn't matter which stocks you pick or how many you pick. The, the, the more that you pick and the less percentage of money that you put in each stock, the less risk you're taking on, but also the less reward, right? One stock could go up 500% in the next year. One stock may just go up 12%. But also there are stocks that you go down 50%. So it's like, do you want to put all your money, all your eggs in one basket? No, you spread it out. That's a diversity thing. That's not a difference of what stocks to pick. Okay, Doc. I answered some questions there. This and which it applies to everything. So this is not just an MMA thing. It's anything. You're building baseball lineups today. I'm building three lineups. What should I like? Build three good lineups. One lineup could be completely negatively correlated to the other lineup. It doesn't that they don't matter. That's like hedging. You can't that individually they're plus EV. So who cares? I'm going to play the same player in all three lineups. All three the same two pitchers. If those lineups are good, that's fine. You can play two different pitchers in that lineup. That's perfectly fine also. Joe Mack said, had your words in my head, kept repeating your comment of MLB is only two weeks in and losing is 95% of the time. Yeah, that's correct. Thanks for all you put out in game. Uh, then, he, then he got a first and a third on DK and a first on FanDuel for, uh, for a live final qualifier. Joe Max says, none of those lineups I made would have happened without the theory of DFS and all your videos. Thanks for all you put out a game strategy and not the best plays. Right, right, and right. Here's someone, oh, you lose 95% of the time until you win, right? And then, then the 5% of the time that you win, you win way more than you've ever lost, right? That's, that's the point. There you go. Welcome to DFS. If you too want to learn that stuff, in addition to watching this show, you go to theory of daily fantasy sports, theoryofdfs.com. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up theoryofdfs.com. It's me and James McCool. It's like a seminar style, like 
The type of thing that I just explained with this 20 lineups, that's in this course, right? We talk about that in risk management. So it's like having your own little seminar and you can, you, people listen to this over and over again. So you can just not listen to it once. We have all these chapters, introduction, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology, a bunch of miscellaneous stuff, right? Everything in here, the math. You don't have to do fancy formulas, but the mathematical concepts, the game theory of daily fantasy sports, of DFS, applies to any sport, right? Different sports have different you know, priorities, right? You don't care. In a 13-game MLB slate, you're not really caring about duplication, right? 10-fight MMA slate, it's like, I don't even care if this is the best lineup. If it's going to be duplicated 700 times, I can't play, right? That's a, that's a different type of game. But it all goes hand in hand together. So get the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass, how to think like a professional DFS player at theoryofdfs.com. Give me those thumbsy 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 thumbs, the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got Glanders live later today. Okay. Dean and the guys, they'll be talking about what games are even being played. Right. I don't even know. Two games have been postponed. I think three more or four more are in doubt. So you'll know more about that. Five Eastern. Also live locks with Grant on the Scores and Odds channel at 2 p.m. Eastern. And then after Grinders Live, Crunch Time presented by FanDuel is always free. The entire season, Roth will be on. I'm sure he'll be looking at, at the forecasts and the, and the models and all that type of stuff. So he'll give you a nice update that, that's at like 620 p.m. Eastern, and uh, then we got the MMA slate, soccer slate tomorrow. We got tons of stuff over the weekend. Happy Derby Day, even though I'm not doing anything on Sunday, and uh, and I'll see you. I'll see you on Monday. Answering your DFS strategy questions, as I always do, on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. <laughs>